Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm a lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Van Ness, your host for the Small Business Big Life podcast, and we are coming to you today from inside of the Salt Lake City offices, but also we've got someone who's on the other side of the country and probably a much warmer place. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to Chris Sanderson. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited as well because you know one of the, the topics that you deal with is near and dear to my heart. It's something that comes up with a lot of clients. It's certainly vitally important to people. And that is around education and, and helping you know kids and students do well in the world. So Chris, why don't you tell us real quick who you are, what you're up to in the world, and how people can connect with you once they hear all the brilliant things you're going to share with us today. Absolutely. So my name is Christopher Sanderson. Uh, my company is Sanderson Test Prep. We are an educational services firm that provides tutoring to students, as well as some administrative support and PTSA support and fundraising tools for schools to take advantage of uh, to help educate their students. And uh, we originally uh, were formed in South Florida. So we have a few offices uh, in Miami and surrounding areas. We also have teachers uh, with an active presence in New York. And in today's day and age of remote learning, we also offer services to students around the country and even around the world. We do have students overseas, in, uh, particularly in Europe. Very cool. And, and Chris, where can people find you if they, if they want to connect online? You can always check us out at sandersontestprep.com. That's probably the easiest place to uh, click on that contact page and send over a message if you have any questions. You can also call us at 305-878-TEST, which is 305-878-8378. Very, very cool. Now, before we jump into your story and, and find out a little bit more about you, I always like to ask, like, what is that, that beacon in the fog for you? What is that piece of advice that you got at some point or something you figured out along the way that has made a huge difference for you that you'd be willing to share with our, our audience? Uh, something that was really helpful advice for me, and it's something that I was fortunate enough to be given this advice very early on, but from the start, I really worked hard on systems, on trying to set up actual systems for how we do things. So from day one, if somebody called and said, hey, I'm interested in some tutoring for my daughter, I would try to put that into a script and something that has a flow chart that somebody else when I was ready to start hiring administrative staff and when I was ready to start hiring other teachers for training manuals for, uh, you know, we have a, a shared office how-to document. But very early on, I really focused heavily on trying to not just wing it from one customer to another, but to try to create real and sustainable systems that you can implement with 
uh, high turnover of staff or that you can implement with a high degree of growth. And that's something that for me, a lot of other business owners I've spoken with have talked about that they were pretty deep into their business before they really started trying to you know, formalize what those systems were. And to start doing it early on, I think it helps you be more thoughtful about each step in the process of your business from customer acquisition to actually providing the services or products that you intend to. But I think it's also really helpful for prepping your business so that when you do get to that place where you're ready for that growth, you're able to actually handle the growth that you're experiencing. Because a lot of businesses, when they start to grow, I think that's where they tend to falter because they just didn't have the tools in place to handle the kind of expansion that they, you know, had the opportunity to take advantage of, you know, with those effective systems in place. Yeah, totally brilliant. I relate to that because I'm definitely in a place where we are now uh, packed to the gills and I've had to build out a lot of the systems, things that come naturally and automatically to me because I've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, Yeah. Translating those into people who are brand new and and offering enough nuance to them that it doesn't feel super robotic. And, it, you know, what I do with financial strategy for business owners is pretty customizable, just like as you guys work with individual students, uh, you know, they all have different needs. So really like creating something that's a structure, but also has some flexibility. We're in the process of continuing to grow and refine that right now. So appreciate that advice. I just wish you told me that 10 years ago. <laughs> so, and that's hopefully what, you know, new business owners can, um, you know, take advantage of is, is starting to put that work in day one, because it's, it's always easier if you, you know, do it as you build, um, instead of having to backtrack it. It's, you know, definitely one of those things that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the fact that I got that piece of advice early. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with people. And if you're listening out there, take it to heart, start documenting those systems, start writing them down, because I promise you that by the time you need them, you won't have the time to build them. I'm going through some of that right now. So uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you I had it all figured out. I had some of it, but not, not to the degree that I needed to really onboard new people as quickly as I wanted to. So very cool, Chris. Well, thank you for that. Um, so, you know, this, this test prep that you're into, I don't think many people grow up and you know, when they're in school and say, God, you know, I want to grow up and build a test prep company. How did you, how did you end up in this industry? What kind of prompted you to start your own thing here? Uh, I also did not grow up with <laughs> the end goal of starting a test prep company. Uh, it is something that I, I fell into uh, somewhat naturally and organically. I, after college, uh, my intention was to go to med school. So I, I got a master's in biomedical sciences. And while I was getting that degree, I was preparing for my MCAT and I took my MCAT and it went well. And I had a friend of mine who had also taken the MCAT with me and, and she had done well. And she started teaching for Kaplan test prep. And she said, Hey, as long as you scored over this score, then you can do uh, it's like a quick teaching sample. It takes just a few minutes. And if you can effectively present yourself in front of a room and speak <laughs> somewhat coherently, then, you know, they'll hire you, they'll put you in a teacher training program, you can start getting students. And um, so I said, okay, that sounds cool. I'll do that as my side job while I'm preparing applications and so forth. I was doing research at the time. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that was, you know, a good side job. And then as soon as I started teaching, not to sound too corny, but as soon as I started teaching, I fell in love with it, that, you know, first time just in front of that room, you know, feeling that, 
you know, kind of responsibility, you know, but also being able to establish those relationships and really try to like, you know, help individual students progress the whole gamut of everything that falls under, you know, like what it means to really be an educator. I, I really just fell in love with uh, pretty quickly and probably not much of a surprise uh, in, <laughs> you know, my family, we have a ton of, you know, educators and teachers, uh, you know, my mom, several of my aunts, um, you know, my cousin, a, a lot of us have, you know, really gravitated towards education. Um, and so it, it wasn't a total shock that it was something that I, you know, naturally felt comfortable with and really enjoyed. But uh, after that, I ended up over a two year period, uh, score qualifying for a variety of other standardized tests that they offered at Kaplan. And so I, I took a GRE, GMAT, LSAT, PCAT, DAT, OAT, basically any kind of AT, any kind of admissions <laughs> test. Uh, I was a, you know, sort of, I guess, self-branded like test junkie for those couple of years. Every couple of months I was taking another standardized test. Uh, and, and I did that with Kaplan for about four years and then had sort of reached my ceiling there. And it was, um, you know, time for me to say, you know what, if I could do everything exactly the way that I want to do it, you know, I, I think that would be a little bit more fulfilling. I think I'd have a, an opportunity to, you know, really personalize the services provided the way that I would like. And so that's when I, I got the itch to want to step out on my own. And I started Sanderson Test Prep uh, just over 10 years ago. We actually had our 10-year anniversary February 1st uh, of this year. So well, congratulations. My, that was my path, which was unexpected, but something that I, you know, you can say it's, you know, like uh, serendipitous or that there's a calling or whatever you want to call it. But that I, you know, I, I kind of organically got in front of a classroom and immediately fell in love. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I've had a few things in my life that just hook you, right? And you're just like, wow, like, this is my thing. I didn't mm -hmm. even know this was a thing, but it clearly is. And, uh, and those have been some of the biggest blessings in my life. So it's cool to see that you've turned yours into a career and then into a business, which is which is super awesome. So a uh, question for you, like something that I see happen a lot is people are passionate about something and then, uh, you know, you love teaching and then you become a business owner. And this is well-documented in the E-Myth book, right? He talks about the pie baker who wants to bake pies. And then she opens a pie shop and realizes that that's not really about baking pies. So for you, you know, you're doing test prep, you're teaching, maybe when you first started your business, you were teaching, but uh, how did you bridge that gap from being someone who's actually doing the teaching to being the the business owner? Because at some point, obviously, you're just spread too thin if you're doing all the teaching. How, how did you make that jump? Certainly. So um, one thing that I did uh, probably about three or four years in is my initial idea was that, and I really am proud of our team. And I think that our teachers are really, really excellent. Like I, you know, I am always amazed at, you know, the quality uh, of teachers that we're able to find. And so I think that um, initially my message was whether you're working with me or one of my other teachers, we are effectively the same in terms of the quality. Everyone's got their own slightly different teaching style. Sometimes even logistics can determine what the right fit is. If it's a student who needs to meet on a Wednesday at 4.15, well, not everyone maybe is available Wednesday at 4.15. So sure. you know, some of that um, will you know impact that. But my initial plan was I wanted my pricing to be the same as every other teacher. Mm. And I think that to me, I didn't want it to seem as though I was better 
or that they were worse, more important. Right, right. You know, Based so price, I, yeah. I tried to price everyone at the same level. And eventually I realized that it's not so much a better or worse in terms of quality, but a lot of it is, some of it does come down to experience, of course, but a lot of it also comes down to the fact that as a business owner, every hour that I was spending teaching or tutoring, that's an hour that I was hiring someone else to do X, Y, or Z, whatever those tasks might be. So Mm -hmm. that's an extra hour that I'm hiring somebody to develop a marketing plan for me instead of being able to contribute to that on my own. That's an extra hour that I'm hiring, you know, a bookkeeper or accountant to review our numbers as opposed to me being able to do that. So there is a real cost that comes into play when you're providing the service yourself. Mm -hmm. And as a result, what really allowed me to make that transition, I still do plenty of teaching, but my rates are significantly higher than that of our other teachers. And so I take on a smaller handful of select students who want to work with me directly And it allows me, I think, to do two things. Um, One, a commitment that I made to the business and to myself at the beginning is that part of the reason I wanted to do it on my own is that I wanted the business decisions to be made with the student in mind. And I Uh think that by teaching and allowing myself to stay connected to what that direct service is allows me to make better decisions as a business owner for how we can be better for our students, how we can help our students accomplish more. So I don't know that I ever would want to fully walk away from teaching. I'd still Mm -hmm. want to do at least a small handful of hours every week so that I I stay quote unquote in it. But adjusting the pricing is what allowed me the opportunity to have that shift in mindset to really start thinking like a business owner, because I essentially tried to price myself into a position where I wasn't overworking myself with the tutoring hours and then not leaving enough time to think big picture. Yeah. 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 We would call that in in the financial world opportunity cost, right? If I'm doing a, I can't do B and what's the cost of that. I learned that early on in my career when I was flipping houses, my mentor told me, he said, do not go out and swing a hammer and do your own repairs. Second, you swing a hammer, you make what a handyman makes. If you're going to be a real estate investor, your job is to find and negotiate deals and find the funding and do all that high-level stuff because that pays hundreds of dollars an hour. Swinging a hammer pays $15 an hour. You know, you got to be really smart about that. Even if you love swinging a hammer, you've got to remember that that's just charity. That's not you working on the business, right? So that, that was a really strong distinction for me as well. So it uh, sounds like you kind of went through your own mental gymnastics on that and figured out how to, how to make that work for you, which I think is, is important. I appreciate you sharing it because I think a lot of people deal with that. Um, so let me ask you this, Chris. There's a lot of people who do tutoring out there, right? Some much smaller, some much larger. I've actually had a couple of people on the show who started massive tutoring businesses there. There seems to be a real passion for that, people who are in it, which is really cool. Um, what has made you guys unique? What do you think has made you successful? Because it seems to me like there's always a little bit of secret sauce if somebody's become successful at something. I think at the root of all of it, it's just making sure that the actual service being provided is done at a very high level. And it's much more beneficial for a student and for the business itself to occasionally have to say no. And I think that in the tutoring world, uh, it's very common that people say, oh, I can help with anything. I can teach anything. I can help you with that. And it's maybe subject areas that are slightly outside of someone's true area of expertise or experience. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the quality oftentimes suffers. And we notice this a lot with elementary students because I think that's where people have the mindset. Everybody thinks that they could teach addition, subtraction, and multiplication as long as they know how to add, subtract, and multiply. But mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Just because mm-hmm. you're able to do something doesn't mean that you're able to teach it effectively. It doesn't mean you have the necessary training to understand enough about you know child development and to know how to really maximize you know how to get the most out of different types of kids kids with different learning styles and i think that really settling in on only providing a service in areas where you can provide that service at a very high level allows you to i think maximize the benefit for your customers but it also allows you to grow your business because if every customer who comes in the door is being offered a very, very valuable and helpful experience, then that's where you're going to get the next customer. And that word of mouth is extremely important in any type of business. And in the tutoring world, especially when you're working with people's kids, that's something that you want to only say yes when you are sure that you can offer something at a very high level. So I think that that's at the core of everything. You have to make sure that the actual service that you're providing is exemplary. And then I think beyond that, For me, something that um, is really important to do is that in tutoring, it's not every student's favorite thing to have tutoring, to have a tutoring (laughs) session, to go to a tutoring lesson, right? So that's understood. You know, if you're talking about, you know, most kids um, that we see are um, between 12 and 18 years old. And that's certainly an age range where, you know, students are a little less self-motivated in a lot of situations. It works very different with our grad students. Somebody who's a really committed student who's looking to, you know, go to business school and take their GMAT, oftentimes they are going to be self-motivated. But in those younger ages, when you're looking at those kind of early teen years, you know, up through graduation of high school, uh, tutoring is not always desirable. And what's interesting is that in a tutoring session, so we're providing the service to junior, but then junior's going home and relaying the experience to mom or dad. And that can oftentimes lead to a disconnect because mom or dad makes the purchase decision based on junior's feedback. And so for us, finding real and concrete pieces of information that we can share with parents, ways that we can help more accurately relay the experience that the tutor is offering to the student And something that's tangible that mom or dad can look at and feel, hey, I know that I'm in good hands. I can exhale about this because my tutor from Sanderson Test Prep is on top of it. That's something that we do. So we have comprehensive tutoring logs where after each session, it automatically gets emailed to student, parent, teacher, and to our office. And so that everybody's on the same page. We know when we're meeting next. We know what the homework is that they're supposed to be doing. All of the notes that get taken during sessions get converted into PDFs electronically and automatically attached to that same email. So parents have real accurate ways that they can keep track of progress and know that they're in good hands. And I think that that helps motivate students because they know that they have mom or dad aware of what's going on in tutoring sessions. I think it helps them, you know, motivate themselves to work a little harder Mm -hmm. and it allows us to provide more support for our teachers. Because if we see, for example, that a student maybe on Uh, practice SAT went down a little bit in a particular section, then we can talk to that teacher and say, hey, have you tried working on this exercise? Or, you know, have you guys covered these practice tests yet? This is a really good set of practice tests for students who need help in geometry-based questions. So we can, you know, help offer that guidance and 
help make sure that there's really a team involved in allowing to uh, the students to see the progress as opposed to just show up for a session, walk out the door, and then that's it and out of sight, out of mind until next week's you know session without much support in between. Yeah, you bring up some really awesome uh, things here, Chris. You know, the idea, like, especially for service-based businesses, right? How do we make that tangible for the, uh, the client to realize the actual value they're paying for? Because people don't pay for value they get. They pay for the perception of the value they get. Mm-hmm. So if they think it's incredibly valuable. Even if it isn't, they'll continue to pay. And vice versa, you could be doing the best tutoring job in the world. But if, if Junior goes home and relays something different and mom and dad don't have any way to know the difference, they'll stop paying for it. Right? It's not about actual value. It's about perceived value. So I love how you guys have some, some tangible, some metrics and so forth uh, that, that really help people to get that. I think it's super, super important. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of coaches and consultants and these kinds of people, even dentists, chiropractors, doctors. Sometimes people don't realize the value they're getting other than like, you know, my tooth hurts and now it doesn't hurt versus you know, going in and, and having someone who really does a great job and you don't even realize it if they don't tell you about it. So you bring up a really good point. And it sounds to me like you guys have worked really hard on automating that system so that there is a tremendous amount of tangible takeaway for mom and dad so that they can really justify that. But it's not a strain on the tutor to be doing a ton of that. Right. Right. Yeah. So we also, we have part of our automation is that when the tutor fills out the tutoring log, so that log and the notes automatically get emailed to everyone. But that's also the way that our tutors get paid because that log automatically, based on the duration of the session, it uploads that through our QuickBooks online, automatically invoices the family, and then logs that hour for you know the tutors. So that's how we can ensure that compliance on the part of our tutors is that you know they fill out those logs because that's where their paycheck comes from. And so it's uh, a good system that just runs behind the scenes where we don't have to spend any time on payroll or um, billing and invoicing uh, because that all gets run automatically through that same system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there was lots of trial and error to figure out the best way to do all of those things. That's like 10 years summarized in a summary or in a, in a system that now works seamlessly behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Very, very cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, you talked a lot about how word of mouth has been such a driver in your business. And, and I've heard it said that advertising is the cost you pay for not being so valuable that word of mouth will carry your business. It sounds like you guys have really worked on, on word of mouth and, and that's been a, a driver in your business, but you also mentioned uh, legitimizing it. So if someone is reliant on word of mouth, what have you guys done to legitimize your business so that when people do hear about it, they've they've really done well. You were talking a little about that before the show. Sure. So I think that uh, when it comes to word of mouth, you know, again, first and foremost, if you're providing a high quality service, then naturally you are going to you know, be able to get some word of mouth traffic because people, when they're happy, are happy to share with their friends and family members about um, you know, the service that they received that made them so happy. So that part is, you know, obviously item number one across the board for everything that you do is make sure that you're doing a good job of it. Uh, but with word of mouth, uh, something that uh, we have done uh, for some of the larger scale things uh, that we have tried to do to help us get in front of more people, uh, I believe very strongly in offering some kind of value before you ask somebody to take out their checkbook or you know take out a credit card. I think mm-hmm. that 
um, that is is really essential for any business. And I think it helps offer a lot of word of mouth traffic, even for people who don't end up using your services. We have received a ton of referrals over the years from someone who called and said, hey, I'm interested in some tutoring. My, you know, my son's going to be taking his LSAT, you know, this fall. And, you know, he wants to go to this type of school and he's looking to score here. So as a free service, we have someone fill out an online questionnaire, which allows us to put together an academic profile and prep plan. And so they get, it's a seven or eight page PDF, which just says, okay, here's where we're starting. Here was your score on your diagnostic test. Here's what your target score is. Here's about how many hours per week you should aim to put into it through both tutoring and work on your own. Here's a timeline of when you should take practice tests and so forth. And so by offering that value, somebody might look at that value and they might look at our pricing and say, mm, it's a little bit too expensive for me. I, you know, I don't know if I can you know, really make this investment. But by offering that value, that same person who said it's a little out of my price range oftentimes ends up you know, referring several people to us through word of mouth because we did offer some type of value. So I think that being able to provide something of value you know, upfront for free for your customers, sharing information. I do a number of webinars, podcasts, and so forth to, you know, uh, be able to try to offer some type of advice in this case, you know, financial advice for small business owners in other cases, more specifically directed, you know, at educational advice for you know parents and students. And I think that that is one of those things that beyond just doing a good job at your service can help drive a lot of word of mouth business. Yeah, cool. I, I love that. And that's more than just offering some basic education. I love that it's really customized and you're giving people a roadmap. And I find, you know, certainly in the financial side, what do people want? Almost everybody's like, can you give me a blueprint? Can you give me a roadmap? Can you tell me what this actually looks like? Because it does feel like there's, there's a lot of companies out there that just say, come and engage with us. And it's just like this ongoing thing that eventually might get you there or might not, but it's not very clear and, and concise. It sounds like you guys have really dialed it into whether you work with us or not, here's what it's going to take. Here's where you're at. Here's where you got to go. We can fill that need for you, but at least, you know, and I think that clarity really is, is super valuable. So, and it's a, it's a different spin on how people have generated, how you're generating leads and customers versus what I see out there. So I Agreed. Think really and I cool. think especially right now, because in our business, everything is still remote and a lot of businesses are completely remote, you know, still. And, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see when that changes and what types of businesses. It's going to be really interesting over the next few years to see what businesses end up keeping maybe even certain aspects or sectors of their business as fully remote and which kinds of things mm -hmm. return to being, you know, fully in person. But it has been more challenging, and that's why I think that those offerings are of even greater value right now when you're doing things remotely, because you don't have some of the optics that allow people to be able to feel comfortable with the quality that they're getting. If I needed an attorney for something, well, if I'm going to that attorney's office in person, I can pull in the parking lot. I can say, oh, wow, this is a really nice building. This is a nice reception area. That's, you know, that's a nice looking leather couch. Oh, it seems like this is a very high end type of practice. Or I could pull in, you know, to a different office and say, I don't know. I feel like I'm in kind of a sketchy part of town. I don't feel as, you know, like comfortable. Like this office doesn't look like it's been here that long. Like maybe this, you know, practice isn't as established. But you have some of those optics, you know, when you're meeting in person. If somebody's coming into our tutoring location 
and they see, you know, all of the books on the shelves and they see all of the resources that we have and multiple classrooms, you know, set up with, you know, dry erase boards and computers and desks and every tool that their kid would need to succeed is right there in front of them visually. Then they can oftentimes walk out after they drop off, you know, so-and-so and say, I feel good. I feel like they're in good hands there. But if people are offering services remotely, all they're seeing is a face on a screen. And it's sometimes harder for people to make that, you know, uh, differentiator between, you know, this is a face on a screen that is offering a very high end service. And then this other face on the screen is (laughs) offering a very average service. And this other face on the screen is offering, you know, a service that's a little below average. So sometimes when you do things remotely, you don't have as many of those natural optics to validate your business. And that's where that whole idea of offering something of value and something tangible and concrete that people can really look at and say, okay, I'm in good hands. This is a well-established business that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's tremendous. Well, I I have to say, Chris, I have been uh, tremendously impressed with the, with the way that you've talked about business, how you guys approach it, uh, how thought through it is that speaks volumes to me about what the quality of service has got to be like. So if people have heard what you said, this sounds like something that they want to engage with, or they've got kids, or you know they're really looking for help. How do people get in touch with you again? Remind us. SandersonTestPrep.com, or you can reach out at 305-878-TEST, which is 305-878-8378. And we are happy to offer free consultations if somebody has questions about the best ways to go about preparing for a test, even if it's something down the road. Like I said, I'm happy to offer a prep plan where a student who's currently a sophomore in high school, maybe they're not starting to study for their SAT tomorrow, but maybe we just want to make sure that we can think big picture and give them the right kind of plan so that they know when it's time to get to work and when they should aim to take you know that kind of test. So uh, feel free, if anyone has questions like that, uh, to reach out. We're always happy to help. Very cool. So I, I appreciate your, your contributions. I, won't, I have one more thing I'm going to ask you, Chris. Sure. And this is totally unrelated, but uh, at the end of the show, I always like to give everybody a chance to take 30, 60, 90 seconds and just say anything that you want to say, whether it's related to what we've talked about today or not, but just a message, a thought, something that you think is really important that, that needs to be heard. I'd love to just give you a, a minute or two to just say whatever you think is important. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, Mine probably will be uh, related to education, but uh, something that I think uh, a lot of students uh, get maybe a little bit too focused on, and a lot of parents or sometimes all parents (laughs) seem to get too focused on, is this idea of going to quote unquote the best school or the highest ranked school. And whether that's for undergrad or some form of grad school, law school, med school, business school, you know, you're going to get your master's or PhD, you're going to go be a dentist, a pharmacist, whatever it is. Um, I noticed that, especially with the kinds of academically competitive students that we work with, that students can get a little bit too focused on rank. And I think something that can get lost in that shuffle is the focus on the best fit. And I can tell from experience both personally and then also in seeing where my students end up being the most successful. If you find a place where you're going to be in your element and you're going to be your happiest, 
that's really where you're going to succeed. That's where you're going to engage. That's where instead of just going to class and going home, studying for your test, you're maybe going to sign up for that club or that organization, you know, or maybe even start your own organization and really become, you know, an active member of that school community and get the most out of the experience, you know? So um, I always just try to remind students and parents of that because a lot of what we do is cater to students who are looking for those high ranking types of schools. And mm-hmm. we're certainly happy to try to provide assistance in accomplishing those goals, but we don't want to have the idea of the right fit lost in the shuffle when you know we're looking at where we're going to be for the next four years or two years or you know six years or however long it might be for the different types of programs that people are looking for. So try to find the right fit, take some time to make sure that it's not just an academic setting where you can be successful, but that all the other tangential pieces that go along with your personal success while you're there are um, the right kinds of pieces you know, to allow you to be your best. It's funny. I, I had someone on the show who, who do, also does test prep and everything. And she went to an Ivy League school and her kids went to Ivy League schools. And that's kind of how she got into the business was parents were asking. But she said almost exactly the same thing because I was asking her, you know, does someone getting into like an elite level Ivy League, do you find that that's going to be a better outcome for kids than a good state school or something else that's maybe a little more affordable, closer to home or maybe closer to their real academic range? And she said almost exactly what you did, like finding the right fit is key. Those schools can be great, but other schools can be equally as good depending on who you are and kind of where you fit in. So that's, that's really great to hear because I think a lot of people feel these pressures to like get into the best school in the name so they can have it on their resume. But, uh, but it's interesting to me to hear people who are in the trenches, like you really like your experience and, and seeing the real picture is a little different than it's maybe portrayed on TV. Yeah, I relate it to sports a lot, but you know, the reality is if you go play football at Alabama, well, that's exciting because Alabama's got a very good football program, but you're also a little bit more likely to sit on the bench for a few years if you're going there versus, you know, another school where, you know, it might not be Alabama. It not, might not be the, you know, perennial national champion every, you know, year or two, but you might have a greater opportunity to succeed, you know, if you're going to that other school. And I think sometimes people get so lost in the name or the rank. Uh, that they forget about. You have to go there and then actually perform. It's not just getting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I went to a really small school during uh, university. And the reality for me was, because it was a small school, they wanted student involvement. They were little, literally actively recruiting us. I probably would have never gone and, and you know been one to seek out student government and fraternities and these types of things. But because of the size of the school, those people came and found me and they pulled me into that. And that became a huge accelerator for my learning and leadership in college that I probably wouldn't have had at a different school. So I think there's pros and cons to everything. Like you said, the right fit, that certainly was the right fit for me, but it it made a huge difference for me. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Yeah. So Chris, um, as I said before, and I just want to echo it again, like it sounds like you guys have such a well put together and great thing. If, if people want to take advantage of the, uh, the, you know, kind of what you were talking about, the, the breakdown of like, here's where you're at, where you're going. Uh, is that something that happens through a consultation or is there a different way to engage in that? Um, so yeah, they can request um, through our uh, contact page on the website and they can say, Hey, I'm interested in taking a GRE. I'm hoping to test within the next four months. And, you know, here's um, you know, here's where I'm hoping to go to school. And we'll say, great, if you can fill out this quick questionnaire, 
takes a few minutes, uh, gives us a little bit of academic background, and then that's where we can put together that prep plan and send that over you know, to them so that they can wrap their head around what that prep might look like. And then obviously, if they decide that they want to go ahead and uh, use us to help with that prep, that's what we're here for. But uh, sandersontestprep.com, uh, contact us, and uh, we can you know get that plan going so that at least people have a framework for you know, what they might be expecting as they head into their prep. Wonderful. Well, uh, just really incredible information here. Such a, such a great breadth of knowledge and, uh, and ideas both for business owners and people who have kids who are looking to go to school. So Chris, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for being on the show and, and sharing all your experiences and, and wisdom. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Venice, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist. <laughs>